Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today's Thursday, February 22nd. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. We are in the midst of Washington's first real crackdown on AI deepfakes. Just take a look at what the Biden administration has done in the past two weeks. Let's call them small punches. The biggest punch is probably the Federal Communications Commission banning robocalls that use AI-generated voices. Then, the Election Assistance Commission gave state election officials the green light to use federal dollars to combat AI-generated misinformation. And the Federal Trade Commission unveiled rules that would punish fraudsters who use AI-generated impersonations to harm others. But is all of this enough? especially with a major election just months away. I called up Robert Weissman with that question. I first chatted with Robert last summer about how D.C. needed to do more on deepfakes. He's the CEO of the advocacy group Public Citizen, which has been pushing regulators to take even bigger punches at the problem. So how does he think it's going? Here's what he had to say now. Robert, welcome back to Politico Tech. It's great to be with you. So we've seen a string of actions from the Biden administration just over the past couple of weeks to really combat AI-generated deepfakes. When you think of all these things together, when you think of the action that the government is taking right now, you know, are these new rules and proposals right on time? Are they too little, too late? How would you characterize this? I think if we just stay in the space of AI and deepfakes and not the sort of broader issues that AI is raising. Even then, we really need a comprehensive approach. And the only body that has the ability to take a comprehensive approach is Congress. So the agencies can only do what the agencies can do, covering their different areas of jurisdiction and expertise. I think we are seeing a lot of agencies step forward and being proactive and confronting problems that they see coming down the pike that AI is now introducing. That's what we've seen from the Federal Communication Commission. That's what we've seen just in the last day from the Election Assistance Commission. Um, It's what we've seen in slightly different ways from the Federal Trade Commission and many other agencies. The agency that's most important in the space of political deepfakes is the Federal Election Commission, and they are still not acting. It seems to me like this recent AI-generated robocall of President Biden in New Hampshire was in many ways a catalyst for some of these actions that we're seeing recently. Why do you think that got agencies moving, got this issue really kicked up? Well, I, I'm not sure how much what we the things we've just seen happen are a response to that. I think they already were in motion. But it's, you know, obviously every human being, certainly every government agency is going to react to much more to identified harms that are now being evidenced than they are to prospective ones. Of course, we wish they'd always respond to things that they could see are foreseeably likely, but it takes on a different tenor when they see it's starting to actually happen. Let's talk about the Federal Communications Commission's ban on AI-generated robocalls, because that, to me, feels like the boldest action in the bunch from what we've seen. How exactly is that going to work, and do you think it will truly be effective? Yeah, the Federal Communication Commission, the FCC action, is definitely the boldest we've seen in the space of, of deepfakes, the most consequential. And I think what's to be especially applauded by what they did is it addresses not only the harms that we already see, but the harms that we know are likely to be coming. 
So what the FCC did is said, robocalls using AI-generated voices, not allowed. AI-generated calls that we don't perceive as robocalls in the sense that it's not the same message to every person, but individualized and customized phone calls that could be interactive and could go on for a long time, those also are prohibited. That's going to be very important in the political space and maybe even more important in the commercial space where in the absence of FCC action, it was highly likely we were going to see AI-generated calls increasingly be used by all kinds of marketers to sell to people based on what the AI data source knows about that person. So making pitches to them that are specific to their interests and vulnerabilities. And the FCC has now prevented that problem from occurring, at least over the phone. We're going to still have to deal with that as a problem over the internet. The same thing applies in the political space. Those kind of calls being directed to an individual, tailored to an individual, talking about the issue that person cares, maybe saying one thing to you, but a completely contradictory thing to me, something that would be almost unmonitorable. The FCC said, under our existing authority, you can't do that in the election space either if you're calling cell phones. But for reasons that have to do with the statute, they can't get to those kinds of calls directed to landlines. So that's still an ongoing issue that's open. We've seen the FCC take action against robocalls in the past. In many ways, scammers remain undeterred, especially those located outside of the U.S. Will these new rules really be effective then, or what can be done differently to make them more effective this time? Well, I think they're going to be very effective as against what would happen in their absence. That doesn't mean we're not going to still see scammers finding ways to, to circumvent their rules, including by launching calls from offshore jurisdictions. But if we didn't have these rules in place, we could have expected to a near certainty that these calls would be pervasive and highly effective. The kinds of calls that I'm describing require a kind of sophistication, not just in terms of technology, but in having the access to vast troves of data and being able to deploy those. That, for at first at least, that may be beyond the reach or the capacity of some of the sort of low-level scammers that are using robocalls right now. So that's still TBD. I for sure don't want to say that scammers are not going to figure out ways to sort of do things that are now defined as illegal. Right. But if we don't, in the first place, say they're illegal, we should expect that they would be rampant. And the FCC has done now what it can and should do. Got it. You know, this other action that happened just recently, a much more obscure agency, and that's the Election Assistance Commission, it doles out grants to state election officials you know, for election security purposes. The commission's now ruled that that money can be used to combat AI-generated election misinformation. I think of state election officials as kind of being on the front lines of a lot of these election misinformation issues. How much of a difference do you think this makes to them? Well, it's, I think, going to make a modest difference in the absence of more money. But it is a positive step. So, you know, when we think about the deepfake issue, a lot of what we've talked about is one candidate attacking another candidate. But a different category of concern is people using deepfakes to deter people from voting, misleading them about when an election might take place, saying an emergency has shifted the date or place of a polling place or told them that the rules have changed for mail-in voting. It's the kind of thing we saw with that call from Joe Biden. And election officials who now have to take on all kinds of responsibilities that these civic-minded people never even considered just a few years ago now have to deal with this kind of threat of AI deception. 
So being empowered to use federal funds to take that on is going to be helpful. But in the absence of actually additional new funds channeled through the Election Assistance Commission, it's only going to be so helpful. These election officials are really putting up with a lot, including threats and harassment. They need a lot of support. They need legal support, but they need some monetary support for those offices, too. The last sort of crack that I've seen the government take at this, you know, recently comes from the Federal Trade Commission, which it finalized rules that will allow the FTC to sue for damages when scammers impersonate government agencies or businesses. And now the FTC wants to extend those rules to the impersonation of individual people. Does this have real teeth, you think? I think it's very important. I don't think it's going to impact the election-related space. But one of the things we're seeing, you know, one of the early so-called use cases for AI is these very effective scams imitating a family member's voice and saying, I've been in a car accident, grandfather. I need 1500 bucks right now. Send it. And those voice uh, impersonations are very, very close to the original, almost impossible, maybe totally impossible to discern from an authentic voice. So the FCC, FTC has now said, we're going to try to cover those things as well. I think that's very important. Again, these people are scammers. They're ready to violate the law, but more legal protections should provide meaningful protections for consumers. And I think, you know, the Federal Trade Commission is looking at a range of other actions, both for consumer protection and on the antitrust side um, to deal with the new issues that are being raised by AI. So I would absolutely put the FTC in one of the agencies that's being thoughtful and proactive in addressing these new challenges that are emerging from artificial intelligence. One of those things the FTC is looking to do that I thought was really interesting is question whether AI companies are breaking the law if you know they provide products that they know are being used to harm consumers, used for kind of this deception and manipulation. What are you watching for on that particular issue? This issue of liability is going to be really fundamental across a range of AI-generated harms. We're seeing a lot of governmental interests, and I think a lot of positive steps from the Biden administration. But if you want to look at new regulatory controls, you need congressional legislation. And I'm not very optimistic about that happening. I'm definitely not optimistic about it happening quickly. So if you don't have regulation, or even if you do, you absolutely need liability rules to discipline the market players. And what those rules are going to be is very much up for grabs. The FTC is trying to say, look, these harms ultimately flow from the companies making artificial intelligence tools. And when they make those things available, they can't, and it's foreseeable that they're going to be used to perpetrate harms, whether it's against consumers or public water systems or whatever. They say, we want to hold liable the companies that made those tools available and did not impose safeguards on them when it was foreseeable that there were going to be problems. And that is an absolutely crucial principle that the FTC is trying to establish I mean, with that in mind, I was going to ask you about tech companies and their role here. We've seen a lot of these big platforms announce plans to label AI-generated content. Um, a bunch of the big-name firms like Meta and Google just signed on to this pledge, a voluntary pledge, to combat AI-generated election misinformation and deepfakes. How convinced are you that, at this point, that tech companies are kind of going to do as much as they can to remedy this problem? Well, I think those measures are all fine, but they're totally inadequate, including the recent statement from the sort of the joint statement from the tech companies. I think they have no interest in spreading election related deepfakes. 
and they affirmatively would like to stop them. The problem is there's only so far they're willing to go. So the platform companies are the AI companies. Meta is an AI company. Google is an AI company. Microsoft, over, over not just Bing, but through the 365 platform office technology, it is, through OpenAI, the leading AI company. So they don't want their tools to be misused, and they're willing to do what they can now, but they're not willing to hold back the tools when they, when they know that they're going to cause chaos. What they say is, we will label our own things as the best we can. We will strive to put in watermarking so that social media and other computer systems can read content and see if they are AI-derived or altered um, or not. But they know that those technological protections are not yet adequate. And they're not saying, we're going to hold back these tools until we have technological safeguards in place. That's an interesting point, because I've heard this criticism a lot that at the end of the day, laws and regulations will actually only go so far. You know, bad actors don't follow the rules, you know, uh, on purpose. Uh, That's sort of their whole thing. So to what extent are we really dependent on technological solutions to actually address this problem in in a real and tangible way? Well, we need both. But I I think the premise of that is wrong. We absolutely, in the first case, need specific laws and regulations. Remember, when it comes to, say, political deepfakes, they're not illegal. They're unethical. But in most jurisdictions, they're not illegal. Again, there may be ways to do that that are illegal, but by and large, not illegal. Well, we should forget about the bad actor. Forget about Russia trying to influence our election or China or anyone else external. We should expect mainstream political operatives to use the legal tools that are available to them, even if they feel kind of scummy. So in the absence of having legal protections in place, the problems are going to be mainstream. Forget about the ones who are willing to transgress the law. People are going to go to the edge of the law, certainly in the political space, certainly in the commercial marketing space. So if you have to put the legal standards in place. And then, yes, also that will not be enough. And yes, also we need these tech companies that are gatekeepers through various kind of platform controls to also exert limitations, restraints, and safeguards, particularly because they are also the very same companies that are putting these new tools on the market. It's not a one or the other scenario you're saying. You really do need both if you're actually going to fully address. Absolutely need both, but the mo- and, and the most important thing are the legal standards. Last time you were on the podcast in August, you were pushing for the Federal Election Commission to ban political candidates from creating AI-generated deepfakes of their opponents. Do you still see that as necessary in light of these latest developments from these other agencies? Oh, it's 100% necessary. The, the, the political deepfake issue is, I think, front and center and going is very urgent and is going to define in important ways the 2024 election unless we have action. I don't think it's coming from Congress. It's squarely in the FEC's authority to take action, and they're dithering. The timetable they've suggested to respond to our petition, which is that we might hope for an answer in early June, that's just an answer. So if they actually decide they want to move forward with a rule, that does not likely put them on a timetable to get a rule in place in advance of the November election. They still could if they suddenly showed some energy around the issue, but we're not hopeful about that. Um, And that's disappointing and distressing. Uh, The good news is that, by contrast, we're seeing a lot of action in states across the country. Um, There are five states that already have rules in place to 
ban political deepfakes or at least require them to be labeled. And we've got about 35 more states that have things pending. And we're expecting a majority of states to have laws in place before November 2024, um, with a bunch of new states likely to have laws passed in just the next few weeks. Well, you know, we've mentioned this a couple of times, but it is notable to me that the actions that these federal agencies have taken are based on powers they have under existing law. To what extent do these actions we're seeing sort of validate or invalidate the need for new comprehensive laws that specifically address AI? You know, in most of these cases, agencies are doing a really good job. That's to their credit. Um, It's not necessarily the norm over time when new technologies are introduced. But AI is a categorically different thing than what we're used to. It's different in the decision-making context with algorithms, and it is very, very different in the space of generative AI. And prior regulatory structures, prior regulatory laws, legal frameworks aren't adequate to deal with all the different kinds of problems we're going to face with AI. So absolutely, we need federal legislation. Now, you know, Congress is actually trying to spend energy on this. Um, Senate Leader Schumer has launched a process. Uh, He's made it bipartisan so that it actually has a shot of getting something passed, but it's still going relatively slow. And I think we're going to see AI boosting provisions dominating that legislative package when it ultimately moves forward, if it does, um, with safeguards as an important secondary component. But we're not likely to see, you know, bold new regulatory frameworks to deal with AI. So we've got to, if, if we're going to get legislation at all, we have to get whatever we can get and we're going to have to push the agencies to, to be to creatively adapt their old powers for this new circumstance. Not ideal, but where it looks like things are going. Well, Robert, thanks for being back here on Politico Tech. It's great to be with you. Talk soon. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overlay. I'll see you back here tomorrow.